0: This edition of the ACAP Coffee Break is supported by Softheon. Medicaid redeterminations are expected with the end of the public health emergency. As many as 10 million Medicaid enrollees may lose their coverage. Many of these people are expected to sign up for an exchange health plan. You have an opportunity to retain your members as they transition to an Affordable Care Act plan. Reach out to Softheon to start or scale your marketplace operations at warp speed by visiting softheon.com ACAP. That's S-O-F-T-H-E-O-N dot com slash ACAP. Now to the coffee break. Hello and welcome back to the ACAP Coffee Break, a podcast from the Association for Community Affiliated Plans. Thanks for listening. Today we'll hear from Anna Dunn, President of Health Services for Children with Special Needs of Washington, D.C. This is an excerpt from a recent ACAP Leadership Academy session hosted by Enrique Martinez Vidal, ACAP Vice President for Quality and Operations. Let's go to the Academy. Anna, how about you?
1: Yes, good afternoon. So my journey is actually very different from Lyndon and John's, um, such as I do not come from the managed care background. Um, I started just for a little context. I'm a social worker by training, and um, I am originally from Kazakhstan, um, Central Asia. So I came to the United States in my 20s. study social work on a scholarship, not knowing what social work was. It was a brand new profession, so um, I came in and never in a million years did I think that I will be, as an immigrant woman, um, but whose, you know, English is not my first language and I'm still very, still very cognizant of that when I speak, that I will be leading an organization. And um, Um, here it is. And the way um, it happened, um, and I think kind of as I'm thinking about um, my journey, it is um, because of the person who inspired me to be where I am is my daughter. And there is a story behind this. So HSESN, Health Services for Children with Special Needs is a health plan, small boutique health plan in the District of Columbia. We have been in existence for 26 years and became a managed care health plan in 90s when there was no such concept as taking on a risk on any kind of risk on special needs population. So even the concept of managed care was, you know, somewhat um, evolving. Um, We um, had contract with um, District of Columbia and actually one of my early jobs um, as a I started as a social worker um, working with a substance abuse um, provider in the district and um, that served um, women in recovery and very quickly realized that in order for them to um, have access to capital they need to become Medicaid provider so that prompted me to started looking into Medicaid and uh, I accepted a position in um, the DC Medicaid program at the Department of Healthcare Finance and uh, was asked to oversee managed care organizations. At that point in time, I had to Google what a managed care organization was before I started overseeing them. Um, But it was also interesting because there was no such thing as a Medicaid managed care rule. And there was no set of guidelines or parameters on how um, the district entity actually provides oversight to a managed care organization. So that was a great opportunity to learn, great opportunity and space to um, experiment, to develop relationships. Um, when ACA started, I left um, the district and um, started working at Booth uh, and Hamilton in um, manage, um, management consulting. And uh, for... The subsequent 10 years, my career was focused on the implementation and um, operationalizing the Affordable Care Act, the federally facilitated marketplace. Also very interesting, the first day that I started, I was, I was told that you're a project manager of a contract, that the goal of the contract is to develop the um, eligibility rules for the federal, federally facilitated marketplace. So my question was, how do we develop the rules for something that doesn't exist? <laughs> you know, And how do we even think about that? What is the framework? What is the foundation? And my clients didn't know the answers to those questions either because it was a brand new program. So similarly, it was just an opportunity for collectively to come together consultants and um, the clients to learn, to experiment, to problem solve together, um, there were You know, everybody knows there were some stumbles with um, healthcare.gov, but it was all learning experiences. So how I got to um, back um, in touch with HSCSN is um, even though my career evolved into um, healthcare consulting, um, my passion for social work still remained. And because I couldn't practice as a social worker I decided to become an adoptive parent to children from foster care. And through that, I adopted a child with special needs who became um, a member of HCSN. So we were receiving services from HCSN, and very quickly I became a pretty vocal parent who is advocating for improved processes and you know makes recommendations for improvement and um, Was invited to serve on the board of directors, and um, afterwards, I was asked to chair the board of directors. And um, ten years later, um, when the opportunity um, came, I was asked to step in into the role of the president of the organization. So it is a very um, kind of interesting um, journey because I feel like I was on all different sides. I was on the regulator side um, and had that perspective. Then um, I became a parent and kind of quickly realized that some of the things that made sense to me as a regulator make zero sense as a parent. And if anything, they create an obstacles to services. And then when I joined a board, then it's a different perspective. Very quickly, I realized that some of the things that I'm advocating as a parent actually are totally not implementable because of all of the um, obstacles and constraints and um, that exist um, as the, um, the organization um, is um, in their path in the future. And then when I took this position as a CEO, I quickly realized that it's somewhat it's easier to provide uh, strategic guidance as a chairman of the board of directors that it's really, really hard to get the work done to actually implement it and charter the path forward. And I think that um, kind of reflecting back on my past and kind of thinking about the leadership challenge, taking this role was the biggest leadership challenge um, that I ever experienced. Because coming in when I started at HSESN a year and a half ago. It was at the time when our contract with the district was about to be recompeted. We had some challenges with compliance. We had corrective actions um, that we were working through and I, it was the middle of the pandemic. We're all virtual and I have, I'm not, I don't have managed care background. I didn't come through the ranks. I don't know how, how plan operations work. So stepping into the role as a president of the health plan and saying, okay, all eyes are, recognizing that all eyes are on me to make things happen and terrified that I won't be able to live up to everybody's expectation was where the challenge, um, what the challenge for me was. And I think what helped me to overcome the challenge, was being okay with being vulnerable. Coming out and saying to the team is that, I don't know, I don't have all the answers, but we'll work together to figure things out. And um, it was messy, but it paid off. We um, got our the recompete of the contract. Um, the health plan is continuing um, path um, into the future. The team is stronger um, through, you know, being enabled kind of to work through the challenges together in a team um, approach. And um, I, that, I think, changed um, my definition of myself as a leader as well. And when I um, share with my team as to what my role is, um, the way I describe it is my role is to support you in being successful in doing your job to um, meet the needs of our enrollees. Because at the end of the day, that is what I'm here to do to really understand what the needs are, have the right people in the right role, doing the right things for the right reasons. I think another kind of guiding principle that also helped get through the the leadership challenge is also the motive. The reason I was at the health plan, it all goes back to um, my daughter and being a parent of children with special needs. And I think as long as the focus of the organization and the guiding principle of why we are making the decisions that we are making is clear, everything else falls into place. So thank you.
0: Jen, you had one, you had a follow-up. Jen, you want to
1: you wanna ask Anna? and. Hi, Anna, I'm Jen. I'm from Commonwealth Care Alliance in Massachusetts. Um, so my question was, how did that vulnerability benefit you? And I think I was a little preemptive in putting it in the chat because you started to answer a little bit, but if you could elaborate on that, I think that that would be fantastic, please. Thank you. Um, well, I think that um, acknowledging that... I don't know and I don't have all of the answers. It created a safer environment for others to do the same. And then we did not as a team, but did not have to work with preconceived notions and unrealistic expectations, but really come to the table with our strengths, our resources and move together as a team in a psychologically safe environment. Mm -hmm. I think it really also changed the, started changing the culture of the organization because if it is okay for me to come publicly and say, I don't know, I don't have all of the answers, then it is okay for others to do the same. And it just overall changes the dynamic of how people engage with each other.
0: When you're building for succession, or and you're looking at succession for not only your position, but as well as
1: your chiefs and and building those leaders in your organizations, what are those uh, key
0: DNA traits? What what are those things that you're looking for?
1: Um, one of my, my one of my mentors told me that um, behind each successful woman, there is another successful woman. So to me that is really talks about the importance of mentorship, sponsorship, both being a mentor and um, receiving that mentorship and sponsorship, which are two different things, but also the importance of networking and developing the network. So um, it is, you know, in this space, the success in many aspects um, can be contingent on who you know, how quickly you can get to the information and being able to make those connections and also encouraging others around around you to do the same. And um, the second, probably the most kind of, you know, for me, the takeaway is when in doubt about what is the right decision is think about the mission of the organization and why you're doing the work that you're doing and things will become very clear
0: as to what is the right decision to pursue.
1: Great. That
0: was a fantastic way to end this. And that's this week's ACAP Coffee Break. Thanks for listening. You can find and subscribe to the ACAP Coffee Break wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and more. Don't miss an episode. Thanks to our friends at Sofion for their support of the ACAP Coffee Break. And thanks to you for listening. We'll see you next time.